this kind of gift to the church of singing hymns that doesn't change with the culture and the time, but a favor, faithful to speak to our hearts in every way that you are so good to us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Bree. Man, what a gift to the church. What a gift. Before we open up with the word, I just want to make a few announcements um, that will actually kind of lead into my subject matter here today. On Urban Hope, uh, well, November the 14th, let me start there first, we will be having what we call in our denomination a our particularization service where you guys will install me as pastor, Pastor Chaz, assistant pastor, and then um, elders and deacons. And so that's November the 14th. Some of you should have gotten an email about the, um, we're going to, church is going to provide the meat, but everyone that's committed here, even if you're just a regular attender, bring a side. And so we're going to celebrate that. It was a great um, momentum for us as a church. After nine years, God has brought us to a place where we are under the sovereignty of God. We are a local church here. And so, therefore, we want to celebrate that with hanging out the words and just eat and enjoy the building with faith and friends and fellowship and everything else. And so, also, Thanksgiving is coming up and November the 20th is on the Saturday. We have a sign-up sheet out front. And so, one of the things is I planted this church. I wanted to do, I wanted to be a serving church, a church that serves the community, not one that takes from the community, but one that brings resources bring hearts of service and so I want Urban Hope to be representative at high school on that Saturday morning and so there's a out there and my wife Sandra Hardy told me to tell you she we just want to know who we can count on and so therefore please sign up and I'm asking you as pastor uh, just to have an Urban Hope community church members be visible meet people from the community we believe that God has given us this building not for it to be just a building God has given us this building, this space, and all the resources have come in so that he would bring in many sons and daughters who are yet, uh, that are his, his sheep knows his voice, and we believe that God wants to um, pack this place out, grow this church, and do it all over the city of Birmingham. Urban Hope Development, y'all know we have our nonprofit, which is right down the street, 4917, under the leadership of my wife, Sandra Hardy. And we got a lot of stuff going on there. And one of the things we need there at Urban Home Development, we need tutors. We need tutors for GED. We need tutors for after school. Uh, we're here in Fairfield. We're believing that we're part of what God does with the church. The church is the hope of the world. It's not the world that is the hope for the world. The world is lost. They don't have no hope. They don't have any desire to do anything for anybody. I'm that today. But Christians who know Jesus, who've been met by his loving grace, we serve, and so we need people. You got extra time in your schedule. We need you during the daytime. We need you during the evening time, and so you need to meet um, Sister Rachel. Bishop, raise your hand right there and just kind of like that. If you need to sign up, you need help, go to her after the service. Say, hey, Mr. Rachel, I won't be there. I need to be a tutor, and you got time in your schedule to do that. Also, um, that will be on Tuesdays from 3.30 to 4.30. 
And that's for high school and middle school. And so with that being said, let's stand to our feet as we read the word of God here from Exodus 36, 1 through 7. Here we go. Bezalel and Oliab and all the skilled people are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work of constructing the sanctuary. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Oliab and every skilled person in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom and all those whose hearts moved them to come to the work and to do it. They took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. And then all the artisans who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing and said, the people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the Lord commanded to be done. And after Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp. Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work, and there was more than enough. Going. The grass withers and the flower. Amen. You may be seated. Holy Ghost, come. Fill me up. Hide me behind the cross. Speak to your people. This I pray in Jesus' name. Over the next couple of weeks, we will be speaking on giving. I'm probably not my easy subject to speak on, but pastor, you got to speak on everything. Can't skip. Talking about being generous as Christians. And today we will focus our attention on a willing heart that is willing to give. But next week, the sermon will be more of a practical sermon as we focus on how we should give and how much we should give. We're going to talk about that. And then maybe on November the 21st, that's November the 14th, this is our particularization service. We'll either have some testimonies or a guest preacher that I'm still working on who will teach on this subject matter. But one of the main reasons that we are doing this short tropical sermon series on giving is because we are in a new building. We have lots of new Christians who are very young in their Christian faith and journey. And we are a growing church that needs everyone, and I say everyone, and we need everyone participating who has a willing heart. What do we mean by a willing heart? A willing heart consists of a heart that is responsive to the Spirit of God. In all things, in giving, in serving, in hospitality, in tutoring, in mentoring, mentoring, and using one's spiritual gifts unto the Lord. That's what we mean by a willing heart. 
one who just responds to the spirit of God as God moves upon their heart. Having a willing heart is not just for the wealthy, the middle class, the educated, but it is for every Christian who have genuinely been rescued out of Egypt, which is our vision here. That God saved us out of Egypt, out of death and decay, out of the bondage to Satan, Pharaoh. We believe that. And so today here in our text, we see the people who God has rescued out of Egypt, out from the bondage of Egypt. We talk about it here in three ways, spiritual bondage, mental bondage, and also physical bondage. But in verse 36, you can put it back up, um, Job, 36, verse 2 and 3, we see something very interesting in the text that I didn't want to get ahead of you because I wanted to come back to it that we see here in the text in verse 2 especially. It says, so Moses summoned Bezalel and Oliab and every skilled person whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom. And the first thing you see in whose heart the Lord. And come back to this. He had placed this, this wisdom. And then in verse 3 it says, And they took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring fewer offerings morning after morning. So we see that the people's hearts have been moved in such a way that they keep bringing all of these offerings. That Moses had to say, stop, enough. But what are the contributions that the people were bringing? And this is what I want to get to. And so here's my first keynote slide. It says they brought contributions. First keynote slide here in Exodus 25, verse 1 and 2. And it says, the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites to take an offering for me. This is God who just brought them out of Egypt, just rescued them from Pharaoh, where they've been groaning and suffering under the bondage of Pharaoh, so Moses now says to all the Israelites, you are to take an offering for me, for God. You are to take my offering from everyone. Notice everyone, not just some people. Everybody who's been saved, who's been brought out and have come through the Red Sea. You are to take an offering, my offering for everyone who is willing to give. Notice you need to see there, no coercion. No beat down. No gun to the dome. <laughs> yeah, I did that. <laughs> I watch a lot of rap hip hop videos. It just comes out of me. And that's part of my calling as you know, inner city hood dude. I just I just watch video. That's all they do. So <laughs> I just pulled it out. And I ain't gonna no, I'm a nice guy. I'm saved by grace through faith. My heart, I'm not gonna bust a cap at nobody. Now if you bring in my house, I got a gun with the light on, I will put the light of the Lord on you. <laughs> Psalm twenty seven. And say, you about to meet Jesus, bro. <laughs> you bring it up in my house. <laughs> but who's willing to give God? Verse 3. Second side, I mean. This is the offering you are to receive from them. So now God gets very specific. <laughs> says, I want them to bring an offering. And now God says, I want to tell them what I need them to bring to me. Bring that gold you got. Bring all that gold y'all got in your closet. Got saved up, silver, 
and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red and fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the lights, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx along with other gemstones on the ephod and the breastpiece. So God says, these are the things that you need to have the people bring to me as an offering. Gold, silver, bronze, and all of the above. This past week, Thursday, Sandra is on the board of Empower, a partnering organization, nonprofit is in the Avondale area. And myself and Malcolm, Jake, and, and Meryl, and I, and Jashayla, were at a banquet last Thursday. And the speaker of that banquet, he noted how Christianity, the biblical Christianity in the first century in the Greco-Roman world was so radical than any, in all the other religions, that it was different than any other faith or religious expression of that time and even to this day. That's why when you hear people talking about Christianity, biblical Christianity, and they're trying to talk about it in a bad way, they really don't understand it because if you take Christianity out of the world, you think the world is cold now? <laughs> it will be colder like it was this morning. You know, how many of you had to turn the heat on? Now, me from the north, man, I said, I want to fight it off. I'm not going to turn the heat on. I'm real cheap around over at 337 Sparrow. <laughs> But I'm telling you, man, I got soft coming down south for her. Turn that heat on, Sandy. <laughs> Shoot, man, it's too cold for that. And so, but take Christianity here. You have your heat on all the time. It'd be really cold out here. And so, but Christianity was different than any other expression. That the Christians of the first century, that they were known for being generous people, once pagan, but now they're generous. They're caring people, people who love each other and their enemies as well. But you, you know, you got to be something from heaven that comes to earth to get people to love their enemies. You got to let that sit in, man. You know, love your enemies? Bless them who persecute you, who try to kill you? That's got to be some otherworldly type stuff. But that's what Christians did. That is much what Christians do now. And so the guy goes on to say, Christianity transformed the Roman world. But you have to remember something, saints, uh, that this thing that we see about being generous, that this is not the norm of all humans outside of Christ, outside of Christianity or people who are in their fallen state before Christ enters their heart. People are not generous. People don't love their neighbors. People don't bless them who persecute themselves or them. And Paul tells us, we just went to the book of Romans. Paul tells us that in the book of Romans, he tells us in chapter 1 that all of fallen humanity, that's us in Egypt in the before Christ comes into our lives. Paul says, that they were all filled with unrighteousness. That they were evil all the time. They were greedy. They're not generous. You ever seen a greedy person? Man, you know, 
guy picking on, what's the guy, Teslon, uh, what's his name? The Tesla guy. He's a trillionaire. I want you to think about this. See, some of y'all said, man, you know, there's a lot of rich folks here in Birmingham and all of that. You would think, man, we need a lot of work here in Fairfield. Why is this Bezos just hit? Call me up. Oh, I just hit Pastor Hurt. Just me drop. Bezos, you know, the Amazon guy. I'm not the Bezos. I don't even know who he is. You know the guy, the Tesla guy. Um, Musk, whatever his name is. Musky. I don't know. I keep him. And you know, he's trying to go to space, find out what God has made out there. And if God could just whisper in the ear, hey, man, I've already come to you. <laughs> Read my word. I've already came down. Spent 33 and a half years. God in human flesh. With all that money, he could just give us $2 million out in Fairfield. We can get a gym, have our youth. And we can, we can, man, we can, light, we can lift Fairfield up. But you think him and the Microsoft guy and all them guys, Apple guys, are going to give the church any money? No. Zero. And Paul says people in the fallen world, that they're evil and they're greedy and they're full of envy and, and murder and quarrels and deceit and malice. Paul says they are unloving. They are unmerciful meaning that they are not generous people. They are not moved to be generous, to do service for others, to love and share of the resources that God has allowed to come into their hands. They're not like that. But today we see in our text, here in Exodus 36, but we see people who have just been Rescued out of bondage in Egypt. But now they are being so generous that Moses had to give an order. Moses had to give a proclamation throughout the camp to stop being so generous. Now, let me just be Pastor in Moses' day. That's not happening here at Urban Hope. <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> Father, we pray that you do just that. I'm preaching the text. But in Moses' day, Moses had to send an edict throughout all the fair field and say, hey, stop giving. Me and Michael can assure you, you don't have that problem. <laughs> but the greater question is, these people are giving. Moses, stop. You have more than enough. Why are they being so generous? What is behind this overwhelming willingness of heart to give? What's, what's driving that? I'm trying to get at the heart today, more practical next week, visualization on the 14th, and more testimonials and practicality, what we're trying to do here in this giving series. But today I'm getting at the heart. What's behind it? These people. But Moses said, hey, man, stop. The people come to him and say, hey, man, they're giving too much. They're bringing all the gold. We don't need gold just laying around that we're not going to even use. We need to tell the people to stop giving. So what's behind it? So let me make a first couple statements here that you need to make as a mental mark in your mind. The first thing that we all need to understand here this morning 
that we in ourselves don't make ourselves have a willing heart. You don't just wake up, mm, I'm going to be willing to do whatever. I'm going to show up to the turkey giveaway. We don't have that power within us to do that. It is not a human-generated thing by our own strength that we do these things, that we just put on a willing heart by our own strength, as we like to say around here, by our own osmosis. It just comes out of nowhere. You are able to do whatever. We're not able to do that. That's so that you can understand that there's something else behind these people, that these people are not just being generous because they're just being generous. There's something else that's in the text that I made a mention of, we're going to come back to. They're not just doing this on their own. The second thing that we need to know in this, that we need to understand that Satan, Pharaoh, the dark lord of Egypt, over the world, small g, God of this world, Paul says. That we need to understand that Satan and all of his demons and all of his imps and all of his homeboys that worked with him, that demons would never, that they would never entice you and I to have a willing heart for the things of God. A demon would never come to you in your bedside and say, wake up, you need to go to church and go to a good preaching church. Satan ain't going to do that. <laughs> now, he may send you to a false church where you can get led further and further away from God. But there's no way a demon, Satan himself, wakes you up out of the bed and says, hey, go to that church and find kind a of way. And the truth be told, and it not the truth be told, it is these people are given not because they are just coercing themselves to do it. And Satan and all of the imps, they would never encourage you and I to do such a thing. That's why you see like guys like Bezos and Elon Musk said, man, you got, you got enough money now. Come on, help the church out a little bit. In fact, they don't like the church. Try to get rid of us. But Satan would never do that. We need to know. Well, my second slide here, but before you get the second slide, so I want to give you a, um, a post a statement here. We're going through a new membership class, and Chad spoke very well about baptism, but I want to make a statement here that we as a Protestant Presbyterian church, which means that we fall into a church tradition of what we call Reformed theology. You heard Chad use it, big God theology. You'll hear that a lot here. But what do we really mean when we say big God theology? This means that we believe that the work of salvation, what we were talking about this morning with Magnolia Joy, the work of salvation is the work of God and not of man. That's what we mean by big God theology. And this comes out of our Protestant uh, Presbyterian church tradition. 
That's what they call the Great Reformation, which Tad will speak in the new membership class on next week. That God starts salvation process, and he is the one that will finish the process. The doctrinal word for it is soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. We believe that all of salvation is the work of God himself and God alone. Humans will never come to God except that God does something first. That's what you hear me say. No one comes to God on their own. God has to come get you. We are so sinful. We're so depraved. We're so anti-God. We're born like that. That's why even though we see these children, that's why we got to teach them about God. Because by the time Magnolia and you can already see it and tag them little boys, man, they're going to be... I'm just going to, they're going to be known around here, PA got a big belt. Hey, Chad, I got to help you out a little bit, man. <laughs> Josiah, I got, hey, Grant, I got, I got to help you out a little bit, man. He up, up here, he got the, he got the keyboard flipped over. <laughs> now, we, we're not teaching them how to do that. Hey, you see it? He looks like we need to turn the keyboard over. We're born like that. So God has to come and do something to stop us from turning the keyboard over. And so you'll see this in these next, um, my second slide. Here we go. Very careful. I got to keep doing it. I'm going to find my back. Um, why was behind these people Causing them to be sinners. Always the work of God. Here it goes. Exodus 35 5. Moses, take up an offering among you for the Lord. Let everyone, it's everyone, here it goes, I have an underline, whose heart, heart, whose heart is willing, bring this as the Lord's offering gold, silver, and bronze. Here he is. Who's behind it? Whose heart? The Lord. Exodus 35, 21. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting for all its services and for the holy garments. Next slide. I 22. Both men and women, all people, all who had a willing heart, brought brooches, earrings, rings, necklaces, and all kinds of gold jewelry, and everyone who presented a presentation offering of gold to the Lord. Exodus 35, verse and all the women whose hearts were moved spun the goat hair by virtue of their skill. Verse 29. So the Israelites brought a free will offering. Men and women whose hearts, a willing heart, was behind it, prompted them to bring something for all the work that the Lord through Moses had commanded to be done. 
Keep going. Is that the next slide? Notice. Go back to the next slide. Go back for me a second. I missed something here. Uh, the next one. Go back up. Verse 21. Here it is. Went by too fast. What is behind people's hearts being moved for them to be generous to God? I said it. Satan would never do it. He would never tell you to do it. Satan would never tell you to come to church. Satan would never tell you to, to volunteer and give your time away for other people. Because remember, he's a self-centered being, and he wants us to be self-centered. That's part of the world. The world's not faithful. They're not loving each other. Uh, men that are not under Christ's banner, they don't be faithful to their wives for the most part, and vice versa. Those verses come from a, from a kingdom that is above. So you see, it says in verse 21, everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord. So what's behind this? This desire to give, it is God. It is God alone. What's prompting you to come and be a part of the church, to sit under biblical leadership, to serve, to use your talents and your abilities as the Spirit of God prompts your heart? It is God. It is, it is God that wakes us up every morning and says, do this, read your Bible. Satan will never tell you to read your Bible. He would never tell you to jail. He would never tell you to give up yourself to help other people. He is Satan. He is Beelzebub. He hates God. He is anti. How do you know when God is speaking to you? Only God prompts us to do what is good. And otherwise, we would never do it. We would never give of ourselves like that as humans. But these people, while they're giving, their hearts are being moved on. By God. This is why in big God theology, you can put the third slide up, Joe. It's, it's taken me a long time. People say, Pastor, how do you hear God? First and foremost, how do you know when God is speaking to you? You really have to know this, because when God speaks, he's usually speaking according to his word. God says, something say, well, you need to go and pray for someone. Now, think about it. Get up in the morning, you got a busy day, you had a bad day, and you hear this voice say, pray for so-and-so. Now, you're busy, you're watching Jerry Springer or whatever you're doing, you're like, man, I ain't got time to pray for so-and-so. They're not a good person anyway. See, you, you, they took the devil. Yeah, they're not really good. That's why you don't need to pray for them. Half the time, they don't come to church. Why are you going to pray for them? That's Satan start having all them voices in your head. But you hear this voice come back, pray for so-and-so. I will tell you, it is not Satan trying to tell you to pray for someone, especially someone outside your family, biological family. Who do you think is doing that? How do you really know when God's talking to you? Because God is not still. It's what we call a big God. This is what we call, what is having a willing heart. It is God that is prompting these people to give. Outside of God moving on their hearts, they wouldn't do it. Nor would you. Because to ourselves, we're self-centered people. 
we're saving up, as Dion quoted in, in Matthew 6, we're putting all our hope in stuff that's passing away. People do it all the time. Even though people know we're going to die, you see people dying all the time, but yet the saints as well. Somehow, I'm going to bypass it. You waste all your time on things that have no eternal significance. God will the blood and pride when you see this earth. And this is why this is so important. It's one of those reformed verses that people don't really know what to do with, but look what it says. Paul said this. What does it say? For it is God, it is not you, who is working in you, the Spirit of God, both to will, another way of saying the word will, desire. The, the desire to even want to do right is coming from God. <laughs> The desire to even want to be a faithful church member is coming from God. The desire to want to give up your resources, your gold, your silver, your bronze to serve the kingdom of God. That's all of God. To work according to his good purpose. So why are these people giving so generously, bringing the offering? Because the word of God says God prompted them by his spirit. And God does that same thing today. I must say this. God prompts us to do things that we would normally do. But how do you know God is talking to you? God is a, this is what I'm going to deal with it. God is a generous God. He, there would be no salvation if God didn't give. The whole world exists because he gave. He created out of a given heart. You and I are sitting here. This building, those chairs. Microphone, drums, everything, this, nothing was given free. Someone gave out of a willing heart. Every chair you're sitting in, every time you turn the water, every time you go in the restroom, every time, whatever, it's nothing free. Someone had to give to it in order for it to be here. Chairs you're sitting in. Christians moved by God's spirit to help this building be what it said. I didn't put a gun to your head. Michael didn't say, hey, you need to give. Thus said the Lord. <laughs> no. But as the Spirit of God moved on their hearts, Ephesians says we can grieve God's Spirit. You know how we grieve it? Notice God's not cursing the people as the Lord prompted them to give. We can also hear, feel those promptings and just don't do it. Just say, this is why it took me a long time to understand how I know God is speaking to me. That's why I said, Satan would never tell me to help somebody. Not in a righteous way. Now, if you're a guy in the street who's selling drugs or something, I hear God say, well, if I don't sell it, someone else is going to sell it. <laughs> so go give her some because if I don't do it, she, someone else is going to do it. So I might as well be the one to get the money and just suck it up for being whatever. But in a righteous way, helping someone, spending time with someone, being a disciple of someone, I will promise you, Satan will never encourage you to do that. And so when you feel those promptings to call someone, to pray for someone, to give money, give resources, give your time, I'm telling you, that's God. Satan would never do that. You would never do that. Your flesh would never do that. Only God is prompting us to do those things. And so the people were just moved by God's grace, and they were overwhelmed. So this is what this word has said. It is God working in you 
prompting you to do the very good that you do according to his purpose. But it's a trial. And it's hard. So why are we being so quiet? Because the God that we serve, he's a generous God. And he's faithful. Paul says in the chapter, he is more blessed to give than to receive. It's all God. God gives all he does is give. He gives us air. He gives us food. He gives us breath. He gives us his blessings. And we saw walking with God. I'm going to talk about next week. Listen, listen, the word of God is real. See, then I'm preaching on this stuff. I said, well, what's this cheerful gift get on next? What, well, getting ahead of myself. I might as well give you a little nut. See, you, as you walk with God, you understand his ways. You understand who God is. God is always talking to me because right now I'm at a point in my life, all I want to do is give for him. I don't care about stuff on this side. It's passing away. My eyes are set on the kingdom. I don't care about cars, homes, and stuff like that. Let me assure you, it's just about whatever God wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do. That's what you see when you read the apostles. Their eyes were set on the things that are eternal. And when you live like that, you're just freed up. You're freed up from football. You're freed up from the mundane things that are passing away. It's not about carpet. Michael would ask me, Pierre, what do you think about this? Mike, I don't really care. Pick whatever color you want. Pick whatever color you want. I don't care if it's a molar, a polar, a dozer, or whatever, as long as it flushes. <laughs> See it? You grow into it. And I end here. I don't want any of us to mess up. You grow into this generosity that the Lord is prompting you to be generous and to receive. Not that God just, oh, he got money, so let him do it. No, everyone. God is prompting everyone to be about giving of your resources, of your time, and all of what you have. That you will see more of him for who he is. And this become a community of church that all is participants. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you be the prompter. And you're prompting people to come and be, give their lives away. To give first to come to know you. To say, I'm tired of being me. I'm tired of trying to try to disobey God. I know God is telling me it's time to come in out of Egypt and to be serious about coming to the promised land. I've been doing the same thing over and over again each and every year and getting the same result. Lord, there are people here today that are sick and tired of living in Egypt. Holy Spirit, you're prompting them right now to come to the well of the living waters that are thirsty, that are quenched by the Spirit of God. You are the one prompt us to do good and not evil. You are the one that prompts us to serve you. So if you didn't prompt us, if you didn't give us a willing heart, Lord, we wouldn't be here. 
Father, have your way. By your spirit. Your people. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of